Would you turn with me, please, this morning to the book of James? In uh, James, the fifth chapter, James chapter five, we've been teaching and ministering on the subject of uh, prayer for some weeks now. We're calling it Prayer Principles. And really a subtitle for this would be How to Pray. Because there's more than that to the subject of prayer. There's more than just how to pray. Numerous things. So different kinds of prayer, uh, which we've touched on. What to pray for. The numerous things in the Bible talk about what you should pray for. But we're focusing on right now how to pray. How to pray. You see a lot of... uh, Discussion and even a lot of confusion on this subject. Proper prayer, correct prayer, is one of the most powerful things I know of. Incorrect prayer is one of the most destructive things I've observed. I know a number of churches that are split and messed up today, barely functioning or non-existent because of messed up praying. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, but thank God for the folk that know how to pray. Amen. And press in and give God legal right to manifest himself in the earth and work on every hand. That's what our desire is. Right? Well, read this and let's go on into it further today. James 5. James 5 and uh, 13 5.13, is any among you afflicted? You going through a test, going through a trial, going through a rough time? What do you do? Turn in prayer requests. What? Call hotlines. Prayer lines. What? No. What did it say? Now, you know why I say that? See, a lot of people do a lot of other things except what the Bible told them to do. If you're going through something, the Bible didn't just tell you to turn in prayer requests. It told you to pray. Let him pray. Right? Pray. Are you merry? What? You sing. Right? So you don't just come up to me and go, Brother Keith, I'm having a rough time. You pray. It'd be the same as coming up to me and saying, Brother Keith, I'm happy. You sing. <laughs> no, you're going through something, you pray. You happy? You sing. Right? Now thank God we can pray for each other, but don't just try to put your praying off on somebody else. He went on to say, Is any sick among you? And here's the other side of this, that the implication is somebody without strength. The implication is somebody that might not be able to pray for themselves. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray. Thank God if you get to the place where you can barely or can't pray for yourself, others can pray for you. Thank God for that. Verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and what? Pray. He's talking about prayer, isn't he? Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Effective prayer changes things in the earth, allows the Lord to change things in the earth. 
I mean, when he prayed, the very cycle of the heavens was changed in the, I mean, talking about the, you know, the humidity and the rise and fall and the lows and the highs, it was changed. And then he prayed again and it was changed again. How many believe we can pray today and things be changed in the earth? Absolutely. If you pray correctly. In the Amplified here, it says, you know, when he said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, the Amplified says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. How many like that? How many like to see some more tremendous power made available in your life for success and victory Overcoming every obstacle and problem. Well, uh, you ought to be a faith person, but you ought to be a prayer too. Right? Not just make confessions, but know how to pray, know how to commune with God. Well, now we have been, like I said, some weeks on this, and we talked about what prayer is. We gave one simple definition. Prayer is communion with God. I'm really going to get into this some more today. What do we say prayer is? Prayer is, a lot of folks say, well, prayer is talking to God. It shouldn't just be talking to God. Prayer should be what? Communion with God. That is reciprocal. What do you mean? Well, if you and I are having a conversation, I shouldn't just be talking to you. If we're really having a conversation, what should also be going on? I talk to you. You listen, you talk to me, I listen. There should be some reciprocal speaking and hearing, right? And you have to watch about praying because it's by faith. And we don't see God with our eyes. We don't feel him with our hand. We're praying by faith. People who are not believers, they might walk into the room and go, who are you talking to? God, where's he at? He's here. I don't see him. Well, he's here. Where's he at? It's by faith, right? We believe he is and we speak to him. But because of that, because we don't see him with the eye, we don't hear him with the ear as a normal thing, then uh, you can get into prayer just being something that you do. I'm praying. What do you mean? I'm praying. I'm praying. So you get in, you, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm talking to God, I'm praying. And you're more thinking about what you're doing than who you're supposed to be talking to and listening to. Prayer can get into works, dead works. How many remember Jesus talked about vain praying? He warned about vain repetitions. Vain praying. The Bible even talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, what is it? It's like beating a pot. Right? It's like clanging a cymbal. It's nothing. Somebody said, what do you mean? I'm talking in tongues. Yeah, but if you're not conscious that you're talking to God, and if you're not praying in faith and love, you're just making noise. Whether it's with the understanding or whether it's with tongues. That's what he said, isn't it? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So it's not just praying. It's not just speaking. It must be done properly. It must be done from the heart. It must be done in faith. 
and in love. So we talked about what prayer is and what it's not. And we talked about how Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us to pray in love. He taught us to pray in faith. He taught us that we must ask. We talked about when it's time to require, when it's time, sometimes it's time to pray, sometimes it's not time to pray, it's just time to say, to speak, to command. We talked about persistent prayer. We talked some about intercessory prayer. We talked about the prayer of submission. And we talked about prayer and fasting last week. I want to go on this morning to talk about another area. Where Jesus taught us how to pray. And it's another side of this. It's interesting. In Matthew 26. Would you turn please. Matthew 26. And I want us to pray. Before we read this passage. And believe for revelation. How many believe the Lord could give you something real good this morning. You're not limited to what I know. Our teacher's the Holy Spirit. Right. He can say something to you about what was said or by what was said or in between the lines. Well, let me just pray for you first of all. Father God, I thank you for the word this morning. And I ask you, let everybody have eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart open receptive. Let the word be revealed in strength. Let there be a supply of the spirit. Show us what we've not seen and remind us of things you've already shown us. And we purpose not to be hearers only, but to be doers in Jesus name. Amen. We, uh, before we begin, you know, we said we're going to read these things in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about how Jesus prayed. And we said we've already made up our mind. We committed ever how he said to pray, that's how we're going to pray. You remember that? How many are still with that now? Look like I lost some folks. <laughs> how many believe that ever how Jesus said to pray, that is the way to pray? And we went over, he taught us to pray in love. So we're going to pray in love, right? He taught us to pray in faith. He taught us to ask, right? Everything we've gone over, we saw scripture where he said, do it this way, or he did it himself and demonstrated by example. So say it again, Lord, I'll do it. The way you say is the way I pray. Well, in Matthew 26, notice how he prayed. In Matthew 26, we looked at the prayer of submission, where he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. We looked at that. But today, in Matthew 26, Matthew 26, and I believe it's about verse 53, they're in the garden. Here comes Judas. Here comes the guards. To take Jesus away. And when they came. Peter and some of the others whipped out their blades. And are ready to cut somebody. They're going to fight for Jesus. (laughs) They meant they was going to stick by him. They intended to. And you know Peter whipped out his sword. and, And sliced off this guy's ear. And at this point. Jesus said in verse 52. Matthew twenty six fifty two. Jesus said to him, put up again your sword into his place. For all that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Now get this. Thinkest thou that I cannot now do what? Pray. So he's talking about praying. 
Pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. That would be to defend them against this guard that have come to take him away. But, in other words, if I did that, how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? Let me read this to you from another translation. The New Living says, he said this, Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? How many believe that? Jesus is telling them, you know, because they're thinking, boy, you know, we're outnumbered, we're outgunned here. And he, they start swinging the sword. He said, no, stop, stop, stop. Put your swords up. Don't you realize I could pray right now. I could ask the Father to give us help. And he would give us thousands of angels to protect us or to fight for us. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Our point today is this. We're going to develop beyond this. But here is a prayer Jesus didn't pray. Do you get that now? He could have. Could he have done it? Would the Father have heard him? Yeah. But he didn't pray it. Is there a time not to pray? Yeah. I mean, in almost every other circumstance, it would have certainly been right to pray for protection. Right? And to pray for deliverance. You know that's the perfect will of God in most every circumstance. But this was different. If he'd have been delivered, we wouldn't have been. Right? If he hadn't have gone through, you and I wouldn't be, we'd be lost. We wouldn't be in this church today. There wouldn't be any church. So there are times when the Holy Spirit will check you. Don't pray. Or don't pray about that. Or don't pray that way. And you and I must endeavor to learn the Lord, learn the Holy Spirit, grow in Him so that He becomes so real to us that we don't just kneel down or just start praying and just pray what we think and what we want all the time. And prayer is a monologue. It must really be fellowship. It must be communion with Him. Let me give you some other scripture along this line. The Bible says in Jeremiah, you don't have to turn there, but you can just listen to it. Jeremiah, of course, a prophet of God, a man of God. And in Jeremiah 7.16, Jeremiah 7.16, Jeremiah was coming before the Lord because the people were in judgment. They were in a bad, bad way because of being backslid. And the Lord said, Jeremiah 7.16, he said, pray not for this people. Don't lift up your cry or a prayer for them. Don't make intercession to me, for I won't hear you. Hmm. Would the Lord ever tell you, don't pray? He did. I could show you another three or four scriptures that say exactly the same thing. When the Lord said, 
Don't pray about that. Don't ask me about it anymore. I mean, that happened with Moses. Do you remember that? Moses missed it big time. Where the Lord told him, you know, to speak to the rock and he smote it. That was not a technical error. Did you hear me? Speak, hit. What did he say? (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Listen to the language and you'll get a real insight into it. Moses said, listen, you bunch of rebels. Are we going to have to get water out of this rock for you? Uh Uh-oh. Who's going to get water out of the rock? Do you hear this? And then he went over there and hit it. He was mad. Moses messed up. He blew it big time. And what he did is he misrepresented God to the nation. Well, it cost him. The Lord said, you're not going in the promised land. And apparently, if you read the whole, uh, all the scriptures that deal with it, apparently he asked the Lord about it several times after that, about him going in. And years passed and he kept, hey, I guess he kept asking the Lord. And one time the Lord said, don't ask me about it again. Don't ask me. But how many understand, you got to know the Lord well enough to know he's talking to you. Right? Because a lot of folk, they just pray and they, they're not even aware that they're talking to God. They're just being religious, praying their prayers. But we're talking to somebody and he talks back. Amen. I said he talks back. Yeah. If you'll listen, don't try to hear audible voices now. He talks to us through his word. And he talks to us by his spirit on the inside. Amen. By the witness. And by the still small voice. But if we're going to be effective in prayer. We don't just go asking and telling and doing. We work with him. It's communion. And sometimes. Even though something is the perfect will of God. In most circumstances, he knows things we don't know. Right? We know a little bitty piece of the story. He knows the whole story. He knows everything around it. And there are times he'll tell you, no, don't pray to me about that. No, just leave that alone. And you may wonder why. There's been times before he told me, you know, I was praying about somebody else and the Lord dealt with me. You know, leave this alone. And I thought, well, why? Lord, I know that's not your perfect will. Why? He said, it's between me and them. Well, that's a polite way of saying none of your business. (laughs) Right? So what do you do now? You leave it alone. Right? I said, you leave it alone. Now, go with me, if you would, please, to the book of Isaiah. And let's begin to see some detail about this. Isaiah and 43. There is a time to pray. There's a time to use your faith. There's a time not to pray. Whether you understand it or not. Aren't you glad we can know him well enough to know. What he's saying to us. How he's directing us. In Isaiah 43. And verse 25, Isaiah 43, 25. 
The Lord says, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins. How many know you can shout about that all day long? <laughs> Whoo, glory to God. Now get this. Put me in remembrance. One translation says, review the past for me. And let us what? Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Notice, just notice the phrase, let us plead together. Now people have made all kind of things out of this. But listen to the Amplified, and then we're going to read you some other scriptures that say the same thing. The Amplified says, put me in remembrance. Set forth your case. Did you hear that phrase? Set forth your case that you may be justified. In Micah, the sixth chapter, you don't have to turn there, but in Micah 6, 1 and 2, he said, hear what the Lord says. Arise, contend, and plead your case. And then in verse 2, he said, the Lord has a controversy, a pleading contention with his people, and he'll pleadingly contend with Israel. Is there a talking with the Lord, and in situations pleading your case with him, and then him turning around and pleading his case with you? Is that a part of prayer? Many people hear that and they think, oh, what are you talking about, Brother Keith? Let me give you some examples. Elijah was praying. He was really down. Jezebel is after him. <laughs> he crawled up under the juniper tree and prayed to die. And this was part of his prayer. He said, God, there ain't nobody left but me. I wish you'd just wipe, just take me on and wipe this bunch out. Cause I'm the only one standing up for you and serving you. He's plead. Now let me read to you from Romans and you'll see he was interceding against the nation. He wants them wiped out. Let me read it to you. Romans 11. He said, did you not know the scripture says of Elijah how he pled with God against Israel? He said, Lord, they've killed your prophets. They demolished your altars. You ought to wipe them out. I'm the only one. Won't you just take me on? Wipe this bunch out. And let's get on with this. He's pleading his case. And I understand he had a case. They had killed his prophets. They had destroyed his altars. So he's pleading his case. But the Bible said, but God replied to him. God replied to him. You're not the only one. I've kept for myself 7,000. He thought he's the only one. 7,000 that have never bowed a knee to Baal. Now this is a good example of pleading. He pled this case. He didn't get his prayer answered that day. Right? The Lord told him, no, no, you're wrong on this. There is some good left in Israel. How many of us 
You know, you join me in saying we're not going to be negative about the world we live in. We're not going to be negative about the U.S. Somebody said, well, look at all this stuff. Well, we got Satan worship. We got abortion. We got this. We got that. Yeah, but there's a lot of us, too. Right? Let's be positive. Right? Lord, bring judgment. No, no, no. Lord, spare us. Give us more time so more people can get in and get saved. Right? Right? No. But you see a pleading between God and man. How many remember Abraham? When he walked with the Lord and the angel of the Lord told him, Shall I hide from my friend? Shall I hide from Abraham? What's about to happen? Sodom and Gomorrah was about to be judged. And so Abraham began to plead the case, didn't he? Did you get this? He begins to, he said, now Lord, you're a good God. And I know you are fair. I know it is not like you to allow the righteous to be destroyed with the wicked. What if we got 50 people in that town that's righteous? Surely you won't let the righteous be destroyed with the wicked. And the Lord said, I'll spare it for 50. He said, well, what if we're short 10? <laughs> what, what if we can only find 40? He said, I'll spare it for 40. He said, well, you know, times are pretty bad. He said, what? <laughs> and they kept going down. You know what? What if we can't find but 10? Lord said, I'd spare the whole place. He's talking about cities. I'll spare the whole thing for 10. They couldn't find 10 in all those cities. But do you see this? A pleading. And why did he come and talk to him about it? Why did he bring it up? Because he wanted him to ask him. Did you hear me? He gave him the opportunity to ask him so that he'd have a legal right in the earth because his covenant man asked him to. Can you see this? You know, uh, Concerning healing. You know, go to Numbers 12. Just take the time to turn to this one. Numbers 12. Let's look at another one of these. Everybody say, plead your case. Plead your case. Now, I understand that God's going to plead his case with you at times too, though. Right? He's going to turn around and tell you, well, yeah, but you don't know this. Our objective ought to be to know him well enough. That prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is not a religious ritual. It's fellowship. It's communion. It's, for lack of a better word, we, you know, everybody understands this word nowadays, interactive prayer. You know what I mean by that? Interactive. I mean, you're not just doing, it's not one-sided. It's you and God. You talk to Him. He listens. He talks to you. You better listen. Right? In Numbers 12, are you there? Y'all are quick. Y'all are a good bunch. I like you. I think I'll keep you. Numbers 12. God had selected Moses to be the head of the people. And Miriam and Aaron, Moses' brother and sister, didn't like something that uh, Moses had done. Moses married an Ethiopian woman. Now, probably she was black. And I don't know whether they had a problem with that or just a problem that she wasn't Hebrew. I don't know, but they didn't like it. And so they let it be known. How many understand that uh, 
People being prejudiced over the color of skin is truly ignorant. All of us have different skin tone. Every one of us. Right? Some are a little bit darker with a tan. Some are a little paler uh, being inside. I mean, how many of you chose your skin color? You ordered it that way. Does skin tone make you a good or a bad person? No, sir. No. So you shouldn't be ashamed of your skin tone and you shouldn't be braggadocious of your skin tone because you had nothing to do with it. Right? And people talking about a pure race. You don't even know what you are. I wish we had the technology for everybody in racist groups to have their DNA completely done so they'd know everything that was in their history. (laughs) There could be no more clubs. (laughs) But beside all that, how many understand you ought to watch your mouth talking about God's anointing? Didn't the scripture say, touch not my anointing, right? Do my prophets no harm. What does that mean? Watch your mouth. Well, they didn't. And the more you know somebody and the more you know them after the flesh, the more you have to watch it. See, this is Bubba and Sis, right? And they felt like they had plenty of liberty to say, oh, now he missed it on that. Ethiopian woman. And so they talked about him. And they went on to say, they said, has God spoken by us, by Moses only? Hadn't he also spoken by us? We got the Holy Ghost too. I don't know who this Moses thinks he is. Who put him in charge? Anybody know the answer to that? God. Which they are completely disrespecting. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are upon the face of the earth, which also tells you why God picked him. Right? One big reason why God picked him. And the Lord spoke suddenly to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam. He said, come you three out to the tabernacle of the congregation. That sounds to me like when I was growing up, go out to the smokehouse. (laughs) Or uh, go get me a switch. Anybody ever heard that one? And how many know you don't bring back the little bitty one? You were in worse trouble now. I tried that one time. Little bitty flimsy one, yeah. She said, boy, all right, I'll get my own. Uh-oh. So I said, your mother physically spanked you? Yes, she did. Thank God. And my dad? Yes, thank God. They never abused me. They never backhanded me. They never hit me with a shoe or with a belt buckle. But God has designed children in such a way that there's extra padding on certain parts of their anatomy. And if you'll take something smooth like a board and apply pressure there, it turns red. It smarts, but there's no physical damage, but it does affect their soul. The Bible says, the Bible says. 
Now I know that a lot of people today think they got a better idea and they think they know more than God, but God's got more kids than everybody. And if he says that's the way to do it, then that's the way to do it. Right? (laughs) So the Lord says, y'all meet me out by the tabernacle. How many understand if you got any sense, you start repenting now. You start, you, you go ahead and get on your knees and go, oh God, oh God, you know that, what I said about Moses' wife, she's wonderful, I like her, I mean, I don't know what I was thinking, man, she, if he likes her and you like her, I sure like her, I, in fact, I think she's my new best friend, but, uh, <laughs> The Lord came down in the pillar of cloud, stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. They both came out. He said, hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I'll speak to him in a dream. But my servant Moses is not so. He's faithful in all my house. With him I'll speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord takes it personally. Right? How many remember what he said to Saul on the road to Damascus? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm sure Saul thought, you, I never met you before. Because he said, who are you? Right? Everything Saul was doing to the Lord's people, the Lord took it personally. Right? When you speak against his ministers, when you speak against your brothers and sisters, he takes it personally. It's serious stuff. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and Miriam became leprous, white as snow. Deadly. Terminal disease. Now notice, she didn't get this in the glory of God. When the glory left, her disobedience had exposed her to the enemy. Judgment. And I mean, the Bible, the New Testament said, if you don't judge yourself, what will happen? You'll be judged. And so uh, Aaron said to Moses, alas, my Lord. Well, that's different from Bubba, right? (laughs) He's showing him some respect. He said, don't lay this sin on us. We have done foolish. We have been ignorant. We have sinned. Don't let her be like one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord. He said, Heal her now, O Lord, I beseech thee. Heal her right now. Now verse 14, get this. This is what I want you to see. And the Lord said what? The Lord said, If her father had just spit in her face, she'd have been ashamed seven days. Let her be shut up from the camp seven days. After that, let her be received in again. Do you see this? She wasn't ready to receive. How many understand? We've got to work with the Lord on everything. And the Bible said she was shut up from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not again till Miriam was brought in again. But she was brought in, and thank God she was healed, because the Lord is merciful. I said, the Lord is merciful. We must work with Him. I know. Uh, I told this this past week, but it'll bear repetition. A lady brought a uh, a little infant to the healing school years ago when I was ministering at uh, Brother Hagen's healing school. And the service was already over. And uh, I was going out the door 
They were closing up the building, and this young mother had this little infant in her arms, and she said, Brother Keith, would you pray for my baby? Well, I'd seen her before. I think she had been to the healing school before, and I said, yeah, yeah. So I laid my stuff down, and I reached over and started to lay hands on the child, and the Lord checked me inside. He said, don't pray. Don't pray. How many know we need to be led by the Holy Ghost all the time? See, now normally, that's what you do, right? I mean, in most Every circumstance, you know it's God's perfect will to heal this baby. There is no question about that. Ever. Did you hear me? Now let me go over this just a little bit further now. Do you understand what I just said? It is always, always God's perfect will for people to be healed, people to be delivered, People to be saved, people to be protected, people to be prospered. It is always, every person, every time, every situation, it's always his perfect will. Did you hear those words? Perfect will. But now here's, it's not just all up to God. There's a manward side to this thing. And in order for us to enjoy the perfect will of God in blessing and benefit, we must do the perfect will of God and plan for our life. If you refuse God's perfect will for your life and God's plan for your life and you go another way, then you can forfeit. I said you can forfeit some of his perfect will in blessing in your life. Doesn't mean God's will changed. It means you disqualified yourself. You put yourself in a position where you weren't able to receive it. So this young lady, I started to pray for the child. The Lord dealt with me, don't pray. We're talking about a time when you don't pray. So I thought, well, Lord, I know it's your will to heal this baby. Now what? And just instantly, I don't mean I heard a voice, but I knew inside me. Problems in the marriage. I looked at her. I said, "Uh, you and your husband been having trouble? Boy, she burst out crying. I mean, it's like, you know, like somebody died, just boo-hooing. And finally, I got her quieting down, and she said, uh, Yeah, Brother Keith, oh, it's been awful. We've just been fighting night and day. I said, listen, listen, I could pray for the baby. The baby could get some temporary help, but you take this baby back into that environment in your house, the door is open for the enemy. I said, this is not just about prayer and healing. Y'all got to fix this so that the door is closed, right? No matter what you got to do, if there's nothing else, if for the baby's sake, Y'all get home and get this straight and repent and get this door closed. How many know the Bible said neither give place to the devil? Right? You know, uh, turn with me please to Romans 8. Then I'll tell you this. Romans 8. Isaiah had said, come before me and plead your case. And then we've seen examples where uh, he pleads his case with us. In Romans, the 8th chapter, this, of course, is New Testament. Such revelation about effective praying. Romans 8 and 26. Romans 8, 26. He said, Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helpeth our infirmities. That word means weaknesses. For we know not what. What don't we know? 
We don't know what we should pray for. Now, he didn't just say we don't know what to pray for. What did he say? We don't know what to pray for as we are. We do know some things to pray for. We do know some things are his will, but we're limited in knowledge. We're, our knowledge is imperfect. We don't know what to pray for as we ought to know, as we could know. He said, but the Spirit, everybody say, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the, Holy Spirit. the Spirit itself, or as most of you new translations say, himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Everybody say, he helps us. Now he goes on to say how he searches, he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints. How? According to the will of God. Do you see the big issue here? According to what? The will of God. According to the will of God. How many understand that the will of God is a huge issue in prayer? We know it's God's will for us to be healed. We know it's God's will for us to be delivered and prospered and blessed and helped from the word. We know that. We know our own heart. But especially when you're praying for somebody else. You don't know their commitments. You don't know their obedience. You don't know their disobedience. You don't know what they're qualified themselves for or what they've disqualified themselves about. You know what God's perfect will is. Right? But you don't know all the other details. So we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. We have to trust him. You know, in working with Brother Hagin, Dr. Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father in the faith, he gave uh, some illustrations of how he learned these things earlier in his ministry. He said uh, on one occasion that he went to pray for a man. Of course, he, one of the staunchest teachers that it's God's will to heal everybody that you'd ever meet. God raised him up off a deathbed when he was 16. He preached like a freight train and a house of fire for 60-some years. And uh, he said that, you know, he went by to see this fellow in his home. People were sick in their home, especially years ago. And, and he went in there and started to pray for him. And he said uh, he had his hand on the man's head. And said while he was praying, he said he felt a hand pick up his hand. And, and set it aside. He had his eyes closed. And he said well he figured. Well I, I must have been putting too much pressure on the fellow's head or something. And he moved my hand. So he went and put his hand back on the man's head. And praying for him to be healed. You know. And he said he again he felt a hand. Pick up his hand and set it off. And he thought well. I know I was real light that time. I barely touched him. So he put his hand on him again. This time he watched. And he felt the hand but he saw no hand. Take his hand off. And he said, Lord. And he said, the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, don't pray for his healing. He thought, Lord, don't pray for his healing. And he said, the word of the Lord came to him. Word of knowledge came to him. He said that he had dealt with that man. Many years ago. About an area that he was to, his whole life was supposed to, you know, take in serving him. And he said, he has run from me. He has rejected me all these years. And he hasn't been in position ready to go. Said he'll never have a better time than right now. He's got back to me. He's got his things in order. He's ready to meet me now. 
He'll not have a better time than that. He said, so don't pray for him. He said, you can pray for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he did. And the man got filled with the Spirit. Said he sat up in the bed, talked in tongues and sang in tongues for three days. And then went home to be with the Lord. Well, now that's not God's best. Did you hear me? That's not God's perfect will. God's perfect will would have been for the man to be healed and have a long life. Did you hear me? Of service. But he refused to obey. And after a period of many years, he had forfeited some things. And the Lord knew that, you know, he would probably just, you know, backslide and go away from God. And how I many know that's not God's best, but it sure beats going to hell, like Brother Hagin used to say. Right? Right? He told another example that stuck with me concerning his own mother. He said his mother fell ill and he went to see her and the doctors didn't give her much hope. They just told him to prepare for her to die. Well, she wasn't that old. I think what, was she near 70 or something? But how many times that's not old? 60 is just halfway to 120. That's what Genesis says, the days of a man's life. So uh, he was pressing the case and pleading this case. He said, now, Lord, you know, you told us in Psalms, those people weren't getting God's best and they were seeing 70 or 80. And like we said, 120 over in Genesis, he said, she's too young to die. And besides that, I'm just now getting to the place where I can do something for her financially. And I had planned to help her get a better house and and to do this. And I'm just barely getting to the place where I can do that. And what's he doing? What's he doing? He's pleading his case with the Lord. And he just kept on. And in his spirit, he didn't feel like the Lord was hooking up with him on this. And he just kept pressing. Finally, he said, now, Lord, I love you. And I know you're fair and just. He said, but... I'm telling you, if she don't get healed and live some more, I'm just not going to feel right about this. And he's pleading his case. And he said, the Lord said, begin to plead his case with him. Not that he heard an audible voice, but inside him real strong. He said, the Lord began to tell him, did you realize that in all this time, your mother has not listened to you preach? You know, she hasn't fed on faith. She hasn't fed on healing. It's been available. She hasn't heard it. She hasn't received it. Her faith is not at the place to receive. He said, yeah, but Lord, you know, and he kept pleading. He said, listen, if she stays, she'll suffer. It won't be a good quality of life. She'd be better off. You'd let her come on and be with me. Now you're hearing this. What's going on here? What is God's perfect will for her to live out a long life, right? And be healthy and strong. But in order to get God's best, you got to be willing to do God's best, right? And obey his plan for your life. If you don't, it can cost you. So he said, the Lord told him now, if she stays, she'll suffer. She won't have the quality of life that she should. She'd be better off to just come on and be with me now. And Brother Hagin said, I just, I can't let her go. 
I just don't feel good about it. And he pled the case. And finally he said, the Lord said, all right. All right. I'll give her another, you know. He was asking for 80 years. He said, all right, I'll give that to her. All right. And he said, sure enough. She lived to be 80. Not long after she got 80, she started dying. And he said, sure enough, her quality of life wasn't what it should have been. You got to watch about pressing things. He was glad he had time. But of course, the Lord's right. I said, the Lord's right. He's always right. But how many have a desire to know him well enough that you can talk to him and let him talk to you? Right? You know what his perfect will is, but you also know we live in an imperfect world where people live imperfect lives. Now, uh, in Romans 8, let me read this to you again. In the Amplified. He said, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid, bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray, what prayer to offer, or how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads. Everybody say pleads. Pleads in our behalf. In verse 27, it went on to say, he pleads before God in behalf of saints, according to and in harmony with God's will. God's will. You know, that's one area where the Bible talks about praying uh, in tongues and interpretation. And 1 Corinthians said that we could pray to interpret. And a lot of times you don't know. You think you know, but, you know, we know what the perfect will of God is. We know what the word is. But how do we pray about this thing? Thank God for prayer in other tongues. Thank God for being able to yield to the Holy Ghost and say, Holy Ghost, help me. Help me to pray out concerning God's perfect will about this thing and start praying in tongues. Start praying in the Spirit. And then also, sometimes you can have some interpretation of what you pray and that can illumine your understanding. To some of the will of God. Now you're not going to know everything. And you're not supposed to interpret everything you pray. But he said pray that you might interpret. And some of that is to give you some insight. Into the will of God. Concerning the situation. I'm so glad. We're not just left on our own. To just pray with our limited understanding. I'm so glad. You know I was a Christian for a number of years. Who hadn't been filled with the spirit. And didn't pray in tongues. But I was thoroughly saved. Loved the Lord. But. I'm so glad I have been filled. I'm so glad I have been able to yield to him and pray in other tongues. With is much better. I'm so glad. You know, you see us do this on Wednesday night all the time around here. We pray with our understanding best we know how. You ever heard that before? Lord, we pray. You know, Brother Hagin, you say that all the time. We pray the best we know how. Now help us. Help us to pray beyond what we see and know by the Holy Ghost. And you begin to pray in tongues. And you're praying out mysteries. And God knows what you're saying. And you're praying the perfect will of God. And you'll just know things inside you. What to do and what not to do. When to pray and when not to pray. How many understand the answer to a thousand and one questions in all these areas is? Be led. Be led. Won't you stand on your feet? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge 
by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.